Today's daf is daf tetzvav, um, and we, um, excuse me, tetzayin, 16, um, and uh, we pick up, though we're a little behind, we pick up at the bottom, right before the Mishnah of tetzvav amuzbet, and we just had like a key, key discussion about how to understand half pet damages for Karen, whether it's mamo, that really you are negligent, but the Torah is giving you, like you're so close to the line that the Torah is sort of saying you only have to pay half, or whether it's knas, fundamentally it's not negligent but you're so close to the line and the Torah wants to if not punish you encourage a higher level of Shmira and therefore it's Knaz and although the evidence seemed to point to Mamon the Gemara concludes that it's Knaz although we have a bright that says anytime you're paying more than damages you're paying Knaz with the, with the implication being if you're paying less than full damages it's Mamon the Gemara says no sometimes Mamon sometimes Knaz half Nezik Tzroros where the negligence is full it's just that the animal did not directly damaged but it was through the pebbles that it kicked there there's a halacha of half and that's clearly mamon there's no reason it shouldn't be mamon you're just somehow technically not paying full because your animal didn't do it directly whereas half nezek of, of, of keren that says the Gemara that will be knas so the conclusion is that it's knas this is going to be have a lot of implications as we continue to learn keren the most obvious one being what the Gemara said earlier that if you admit that your animal gored you don't pay because knas you don't pay on your own admission now the Gemara is going to draw, though, right before the Mishnah, some other very relevant um, applications, which is actually going to tie in to the theme of the Mishnah, of the coming up Mishnah. So the Gemara says like this, The Hasha Demarta Palga Niska Knasa. Line starts with the word Niska Knasa. It's about ten lines before the Mishnah. On Tevav Amudbet. Now that you've told me that half Nezek, half damages for Karen is a Knas, Hai Kabo Da'achal Imri, if you have a dog that ate sheep, Vishunra Da'achal Tarnagola, or a cat that ate a chicken um, cats probably were a little bit less domesticated than the cats that we're, we're talking about dogs probably also anyway Mishunehu, that's doing something unusual, out of the ordinary. And we don't collect it in Bavel. Now, meaning because basically the, the, the basic Chiddush here is, uh, is, is sort of not stated explicitly. The basic Chiddush is that an animal that does something that is seen as unexpected, Mishuneh, is seen as a type of a Karen. Okay? The next mission is going to talk about a sheep that eats Tavashaino Ro'oy something that's not fit for it like it goes ahead and it eats uh, it eats clothes okay it chews on my sh- somebody's shirt okay so there the Mishnah says that you pay half damages now so presumably when do you like what's the logic about that so that presumably you could go two ways you could say maybe we're doing sort of like by analogy the same way there's an unusual form of Karen which it's not expected which is the first three times there's an unusual form of Shane Varego something that you could not have anticipated and you pay half but it's a type of a shane and a type of a regal. Okay, that's one way of thinking about it. Um, another way of thinking about it is any time it does something that it should not have been expected, but it does damages, that automatically becomes a type of a karen. What would be the nafkamina between that? Let's see who's paying attention. What's the nafkamina between if some, an animal does an eating that's unusual, it chews on a shirt, whether you call that an unusual shane, and because it's an unusual shane, you pay half damages, or you call it a type of a karen. First of all, can it ever be a muad? 
happen because you know let's say he does it three times okay mm-hmm. alright but maybe that's a good point would we make the same analogy if we're making an analogy to allow for a process of becoming a muad that's a good point but what's well, the most immediate well, well, is it, if it's knas or if it's mamun based on what we just said so okay but maybe again by analogy we would say if it's there's a there's a there's a tom by Karen maybe there's a tom by Shane and it also would be knas but no but what's the b- exactly if it's a Shane okay. you're, you're <laughs> third try if it's a Shane <laughs> if it's a Shane you're Pater Misha Sarabim if it's Karen you're Chayim and Misha Sarabim so this is going to be a really interesting question because the next mission is going to introduce and the following Mishnayot that an unusual type of a Shane pays half damages and is that a type of a Shane or is that a type of a Karen now most Rishonim assume that it is a type of a Karen okay and they, they assume that that's the assertion the Gemara is making here Why? since Why we said well because they are assuming that the Chiddush it's sort of like you were sort of saying if the Torah is being Mechadish a category of, if it's saying Mamon if it's basically saying that look when you're so close to the line you, you don't pay full there's like a rationale to that so then we can by analogy apply it to other categories apply it to Shane and Regal Knas tends to be more arbitrary fines are more arbitrary so therefore what we're going to is a lot of Rishonim assume that once we decide half damages is a knas by Karen and we're going to say other types of things also pay half like, a, like an unusual type of a shame then the only way we sort of get that to pay half is by calling it a type of a Karen because if the, a sign is a chiddish and if you're going to make it apply to other things you're going to say that they really fall into the same category and then what we wind up saying is and it's a very strange idea that Karen is not just defined by Kavanah Hazik. Karen something is a Karen by the virtue of the fact that it does an unusual type of a damage an unexpected type of way of damaging and that on its own makes something a Karen okay so that's like a key point here that we're going to apply the idea of Karen to other things we're going to say other things are also a knas but you should just be aware that most Rishonim assume what this Gemara's means is is that those other things also get called a Karen and are Chayv and Rishasarapim but there does always remain the possibility that no actually maybe those other things are Shane and Regel and we're just a Applying by analogy the same type of principle. Wait, so that's just the first, the most core question is are we saying everything that's unusual is a Karen, even if it's not Kavanasul Hazik, or are we applying it by analogy? But now that we've established that half damages are Knas, when it applies to a case like this, like a dog that eats a sheep or a cat that eats a chicken, Mishunahu Lomagbinam Babel. Because it's Mishun, it's unusual and it's a Knas. We don't collect it in Bavel. In Bavel, we need, you need sort of the ability to impose either physical punishments, lashes, death, or even to impose fines. It's something that you need smicha from Eretz Yisrael. You do not impose a knas in Bavel. So number one is, we don't impose knasot in Bavel. And if we call this a knas, we're not going to impose it in Bavel. Um, the honey mealy beravavi, that's only if it eats like a big sheep or a big chicken. Avobizutri, a small sheep, that would be normal. Okay. The eat taught us now. Okay, it's very nice we don't collect it in Bava. What about the poor... And you pay full damages? No, it would be half. Again, half damages, knas, and therefore one implication is you don't collect it in Bava. But now we've got a problem, which is the poor person whose sheep was eaten is out. He doesn't even get half damages. So the itafas lomafkina mine. Ah, but if he seizes the property from the person who damaged him, then we don't go ahead and make him pay back. Because in the end of the day, we say he deserves compensation, at least half compensation. Okay? so even though we don't judge Dine Knossos and Bavel we don't force the money out of him out of, to take away from him if he grabbed it that's a type of a 
yeah, that's a good question. Can you sort of do it with a wink and a nod? That's anyway a type of a davidi nishkina dinafshe, especially here because we can't do the din. He's doing it himself. He's not even circumventing the courts. I mean, the courts aren't acting in this case. The Amar kavli zimna dalina laard Yisrael. If he goes to a court here in Bavel and says, you know, uh, um, fix me a time that, uh, and I'm going to go to Eretz Yisrael and uh, the uh, the mazik has to come with me and we're going to go have the court case heard in Eretz Yisrael, then then we would put him on the court schedule and he'd be able to force the mazik to stand judgment in Eretz Yisrael. Of course, at that stage, he might want to just pay him back so he doesn't have to schlep over and do the travel expenses. The low azal, and if the mazik doesn't want to go go to the court case in Israel, we put him in a nidoy. Um, and either way, whether, you know, he asks to, he's trying to bring the case to Israel or not, we would put a knas, we would put a nidoy, excuse me, on the mazik until he actually got rid of this dangerous animal. Because here this animal is doing, well, that's a question to be shown and asked. They say, are we talking even one time or not? So they debate that, what exactly the parameters are. Okay, but here this animal is that, I understand. Okay, but maybe the mishun is also a signal to a violent nature. So, the, you know, it's a little two sides of the coin. Okay, Midrebi Nassan, and this is a question you were asking earlier, Michael, which is, what responsibility do I have to remove an animal that's dangerous? How do you know not to have a, 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 a bad dog, or like a, 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 what's it called, a mad dog in your house, or a, or a, a, a weak ladder? Um, an unstable la- rickety ladder do not allow blood to be in your fall in your, be in your house meaning you cannot do anything that creates danger for other people so there's a whole discussion in the Rishonim that I don't want to get to which is obviously the correct question to ask but anyway what exactly would be the, 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 um, the what do you call it the threshold that we would say this animal is dangerous enough that you have to get rid of it so it discusses maybe there's some animals that you can tie up in a chain other animals that are even more dangerous that you have to actually get rid of okay so that's a discussion. More directly for our interests, I'd like to discuss this issue about um, uh, what do you call it? About about So um, so t- if you take a look at Tosfos, very interesting Tosfos, little Tosfos here at the bottom. The Tavos Lomafkinomine Tosfos says, "Omer Rabbeinu Tam Tavke Itafet Hamazik Atzmok Gon Kelavor Shunra Kamar." No, no, the animal that is the damaging animal. Okay. So actually there are two questions here. One question is, how much if we apply the idea of half damages by an act of eating and we make it a type of a keren or a shame mishuna, how much do we also say the idea that you collect from the body of the animal? Which is a little implied in Tosfos, although he doesn't say it explicitly. Okay, that's the stama question. Even if you went to Basin, how much would you pay cash, half damages, how much would you collect from the body of the animal? But the other point Tosfos is bothered is, is that if we're not in, in, in Babel, people will just, I'm just going to seize your Ferrari, and I'm going to say, yeah, because of a knas that you, because you uh, did something, your animal, whatever, I'll make up, I'll say, say some story about some knas you owe me, and Basin won't be able to hear the case. Well, we can't hear that case, because we don't dine in knas in Babel, so you might as well just keep hold, hold on to the Ferrari. So Tosin says, wait, 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 that's not possible. Like, how can we allow such a thing? Okay? He says, If he basically say, well, we can't listen to the case, so we just let you keep what you grabbed. Okay, so 
Nasos, the Yavsin Moshe Machi So the most we can do is if we're going to do a hands off approach, is say if somebody claims that their animal was damaged, okay, we'll let him seize the damaging animal. Now, even there, according to Tosos, do you have to like bring some evidence that your animal was eaten? I mean, I don't know if the animal's all eaten, maybe there's no evidence. So even there, you could say you could make up a story and at least seize this guy's nice prize bull worth a million dollars. Okay? Anyway, that's Totus's approach. Totus's approach is not donning Dine Knossos and Bavel means we won't even listen to the case even if a guy grabbed the property. A lot of Rishonim disagree. And a lot of Rishonim say, when I grab Michael's Ferrari, that does not start as a Dine Knossos. A prima facie, what that starts is, is Gzela. Okay? <laughs> now, I am claiming it's not Gzela because of some Knoss he owes me. Bastin is going to listen to the case enough to determine whether or not there was a damage or not a damage. Is it Gzela? If it's, there's no damage, it's Gzela, I give it back. If there was some damage, then they'll say, okay, then as far as we can tell, because we'll do a, an estimate of how much the damage was, it seems like actually that was equivalent to the damage and it's not Gzela. Or it's more than the damage and you have to give back X amount. Okay, but those are things. That is not, the, a lot of people say that's not done in Dine Knossos. At the end of the day, we're going to have to listen to the, to the particulars. But because that's because we're done in Dine Gzela, not Dine Knossos. We're listening to the particulars to determine whether or not it's Gzela. Okay, so that's, so that's how a lot of Rishonim sort of deal with that. And it gets to very interesting discussions in the Rishonim about how much our basin's hands tied in Bavel if they can't on Dine Knossos. And if you allow some way of compensation by Tafas, how much then can we actually get involved in the case? And this became an issue not just by goring oxen, but it became an issue about personal damage. Because when I do a personal damage, and I, some, some of the things I pay, like pain and suffering or whatever, are also Dine Knossos. And how much are we saying that a person isn't entitled to collect those? So it becomes a very interesting question about the uh, way of somewhat restoring a balance by this principle of like, Toughest, you know, taking it onto your hands, and then how much does Basin go to, at that stage, get involved in a serious way? Yes. I don't understand, according to us, that it's limited to the body of the animal, it overgains. Thank you. We said at the end of the day, Rabbi Nassan, I'm going to put in a until I get rid of the animal, so I, steal your an- so I take your animal, it seems to damage it, but i got to kill it, because it's a. No, that's a good point. You'd have to sort of say that the threshold of Mesalikin and Hezek is high, or maybe I'll just shecht it. Maybe it's a nice cow, and I'll shecht it and get all the meat. But it's okay. a dog. Yeah, okay, you're right. And maybe if there's different thresholds and maybe I can tie it up with a chain. Yeah, you had a question? I was just wondering about the principle of the circle where I would have to let dry and lose the so it's your tough I mean, is it, is it still the thing that in regards to the assumption that it'll lean on the animal at the moment or is that there's, there's an actual piece of the animal once, I, once your animal takes my stuff I automatically own Right, so that's what I was saying because it's sort of built on this Karen model then the Rabbeinu time like makes double sense. Number one is he's trying to limit the scope of Tafas and number two is he might be building on the assumption that because of Karen you actually do own a part of the animal. Right, but the shot of the Gemara is not limited to that and even if I don't have a lean in terms of if you sell your property to somebody else if you owe me the money I have a right to any of you, any property that you own right now including you know metalsalin okay yeah, all right so yes they would look at the case and if yeah. I seize more than the knas right. then I would have to return the property yes so basically saying there's no care now in bubbles well no for the first three times right so yeah okay the interesting question is do you listen to the Kabbalist aides to turn it into a muwa to get it to the point of being a, um, uh, or does it, is that also a type of so this is obviously this tiny little gemara 
Gemara becomes the basis of a lot of literature of the Rishonim about what power we have in Babel to deal with these cases. But as I said also to me, the bigger issue that I think we're going to be dealing with in the next few Dapim is what's this idea of an, 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 a Mashuna chain? Is it a type of a chain or a type of a Karen? Let's take a look at the next Mishnah. Five animals are Tom and five are Muad. Here's the five types of Toms there are. It's really all forms of Karen. Loligach, not to gore, the loligo for to push, the loloshuch to bite, as opposed to to eat, the lolirvot to crouch on something, presumably with the intent of breaking it, the lolivot or to kick. So those are five types of Karen. But anyway, those are, if it does any of those, it's a tom. Other types of things it'll do, it's not Karen, it's Shane, it's Rega, whatever it is, and it's Muat. Hashem, now here is the type of five muads, or this is presumably what it's going to be saying. Hashem muad is lechol is a royla. If an animal eats things that it nor, it's normal for it to eat, as opposed to chewing on clothes, then it's shame. What? Uh, may so that for a goat it would be normal. Okay, each animal would be judged on its own terms. But if it eats normal things, it's shame. It's muad. The presumption being, what if it eats not normal things? So again, the presumption is that that's going to be a type of a tom shame, right? That's like the implication. A muad shein is eating normal things. A tam shein is eating unnormal things. It sounds like, you know, but anyway, it's laying the groundwork for that type of an idea. Harega muad is reached for derechilucha. The leg, you know, is muad to break things in its normal way of walking. Not clear if there would be a tam version of that. Okay. The shor muad, now those are two muads. The shor muad, a shor that is muad, meaning that it was a tam, but it was worn three times, and now it's a muad for type of a keren. For sure, mazik nizak. If let's say you do it, nizak. Remember, we've discussed a few times now the position of Rebbe Tarfon that a keren in the rishut hanizak in the damages domain pays full damages even from the outset. So what makes it muad? You know, muad is this slippery term. Muad sometimes means it's habitual, and sometimes means the law is that it pays full. Okay, here it means the law is that it pays full. It's not more habitual to gore in rishut hanizak but it pays full. And Adam, right? Now, does it mean, like, when we say Adam Muad Olam, whether awake or asleep or whatever, presumably we're not saying that it's habitual for a man to do damage, okay? I mean, maybe you could, depending on if you're, a, you know, Hobbesy, you know, what your general idea is about human nature, but what we're saying is whenever you do damage, you pay full, okay? So those are the five types of scenarios of full payment. Now, of course, what we're missing is what about, what about age? What about boar? But these are about, like, living beings. Five types of Muad for living beings, okay? Now, um, a uh, a fox a uh, no Zave is a wolf excuse me a wolf a lion a bear hey my name is mentioned okay a namer is what's a namer a leopard uh, and what leopard and a borderless which the Gemara will discuss but I think the Gemara thinks it means like a hyena or something of that nature the nachash yeah, and a snake. By the way, six, so it doesn't fit the five pattern. Those are muad from the outset. Now, to do damage. Here's an interesting question. If your lion goes ahead and attacks my sheep and eats my sheep and it's a muad, okay, or whatever, you know, is that a shane or a rego? Or is that a shane or a karen? Presumably it's a shane, right? And it's a type of an eating, right? But when you think about these things, these dangerous animals, and you 
have this big flashing word danger over them, you tend to more, more and more we think of like, oh my God, there's a type of a Karen. Because you think, Karen, you know, you think about Kavanah We tend to anthropomorphize, I think, and sort of see sometimes, you know, the propensity and the, the sort of violence engaged, you know, with these types of things, especially because they attack living beings. I think we tend to, we, we would tend to naturally think of these as a type of a Karen. But how many of these things are trying to do it just for the sake of causing damage? They're trying to do it for, for, for their food. So, you know, it's like those nature, right, videos of the wild, right? They should be rated sometimes like PG-13 because of the violence, right? But it might be violent, but it's still essentially a type of a shame. And that's essentially what the Gemara is going to say. Yes. It's a distinction between expected and unexpected. Also. Right. I mean, here there, it's actually expected. I understand. It's expected. But I'm just saying, if you would ask somebody, what type category would you put when a lion attacks into Karen or Shane, the most instinctive response is, I think Karen, because of the degree of violence, right? But when you take a step back, you realize one minute, it's just doing it to eat, and it's a type of a shame. So, so either way, it's so, anyway, but the Gemara, so the point is, is that, is that, is that, well, we'll see in the Gemara, if it's, the Gemara will assume basically it's shame. And then what it's really just saying, but if you think about it, if that's what it's saying, then it's not such a chiddish, right? Because then it's basically saying, well, we already said a shame where it's lecholas or royalah. So all you're really telling me is for a lion, royalah are sheep, and royalah are, I don't know, are, 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 you know, are cows or whatever they are. But it's not really a different category than a shame where it's lecholas or royalah. Okay, so it's interesting whether we're thinking about this as shame or Karen. Yeah. Just not to jump, but I think Rashi anticipates what you just said. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, you're right. Thank you for that. Right. So Rashi says, thank you for that. Because I was actually thinking Tosos emphasizes the shame component. Rambam less so. And you're right. Rashi does seem to be sort of also. Thank you. So once you're dealing with a lion, presumably even if a lion does something that is just destructive, right, you know, then it's also a type of a Karen Muad. Right. So you're right. So thank you. So Tosos really tries to limit this into the shame box and say other types of you know but but you're right Rashi and Rambam also by somewhat by implication Rambam doesn't sort of limit certain types of eatings he doesn't limit it to certain to, to Rishus Hanizak you know Tosus limits it to Rishus Hanizak because Tosus says it's a shame and Rishus Harabim yeah you're lying to Rishus Harabim no problem just don't bring him in <laughs> anyway so that's the question Dove you had a question yeah, these two usually observable kinds of attacks by ones for and one is just being territorial. Oh, interesting. And uh-huh. Kind of violence without... Uh, uh-huh. Purpose, uh-huh. Purpose, uh-huh. Purpose, you mean because somebody, like, go, walks into the territory. I see, and it just attacks. Yeah. That's interesting. Just like a bear. When a bear feels threatened, right, that's the dove. Right? I mean, you know, it's going to attack. Right, right. When they tell people that are walking through the woods and you hear bears and make a lot of noise, right, it's exactly that. It's like animals who feel threatened. and attack. So that's an excellent... What? They fish. They fish. That's an excellent point. Point. You're right. So, so I, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. So that actually reinforces the idea that the chiddush of the Mishnah is the pshat really is like you know like Rashi, and it is this idea that really any type of violence is its nature, whether it's to eat or not to eat, and therefore it's a and therefore it's a karen mu'at to begin with. Although you could say, I just want to interrupt. Sorry, you could say it's a regel. You don't have to say it's a shame. Meaning here we have a nature that is its natural nature to be territorial, as you describe it, it's not right? we tend to anthropomorphize and see it as like, oh, it's just doing an, a, a, a meaningless act of violence, right? It's, it's, it's like, it's, it's, you know, it's Kavanatha Lahazi. Right, well, I guess, like, why anyway would an animal have Kavanatha Lahazi? But anyway, but it is interesting, like, if it's nature to be territorial and to protect its territory and to use violence to do that, 
Maybe it's a type of a keren. Although, you're right, Kavanazolahazik doesn't have to mean because of Rishos. It's intentionally trying to attack the human that goes into its territory for the sake of protecting its territory. So anyway, yeah, I would agree that I think the pshat is, is that this is saying that this is a keren muwa to begin with. But Tosus tries to put it on sort of the Shane and Rego category and saying, this is just the animal's nature. It's sort of like the whole question of like explaining away evil. Well, you know, it's just the nature. So, okay, anyway, yes. <laughs> to me, this thing's very interesting that, you know, sociologically people had these kind of animals. You know, which is why they're talking about it. Yeah, that's and yeah, right. And also, how do you, you know, then, uh, well, if anything, I think this would be the definition of Kelev Ra or whatever it is that Rav Nassim said. Yeah, so the Gemara is going to say that too. Like, you might have to kill these animals, but that's like a separate conversation. Okay, Rabbi, Lee, yeah. Did, did, uh, I was just thinking about the Rafflikas of Mamuna and Snapsa before, and you were saying that. According to Mamona, some we were saying uh, oh. right. So this is kind of like a lot of the shore. Exactly. Right. right. Which is really, so we're not. So really, you should be chayev and by by the shore, but we don't make you chayev because it's not yet a muad. Right. So but these start their lives as a Karen mood, which is exactly right. I think you're completely correct. I was reading it too much through Tosus's lens. The shot is they're absolutely that they start as a Karen muad, yeah. and I think that this point of uh, Kavanasa Lahazik that even though they're doing it for good natural reasons, they're still. Tr- you know, sort of consciously doing acts of damage, and uh, so it really is a Karen Muad. Yes. Uh huh. Had these things, right? Right. Right. How much were they owned by private people? Is an interesting question. Okay. I mean, nowadays people own snakes. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Right. Okay. Right. There's, there's got to be money to be made. Okay. Right. 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 Rabbi Eliezer has a optimistic view. He thinks that these animals can be domesticated. So if you've got maybe this is it, like a trained, you know, uh, circus lion then it's not a muad. Okay? So you can sort of reverse the process. Normally animals which do kavanasalahazik start as tam and become muad. This animal can start as muad and can become tam. Okay? You can domesticate it. I know. But a snake can never be domesticated. Okay? Does this have certain meta- you know, sort of religious metaphysical connotations about the whole symbolism of the snake? Or is it just, no, like some assessment that these other animals, I don't know, like if you me, I don't think you can domesticate a lion or a bear any more than you can a snake, but okay. Snake yeah, they do have snake charmers, that's true. Yeah, the snake charmers don't work. Oh, All right. <laughs> okay, okay. Chavra, we're moving forward. Mirektani, Hashem, what is that called? Michlal, Gubara. The Bechotar And if it says the Shane has a propensity to damage things that it's natural, it's normally eats, then we're talking in the, in the, uh, in the, in the yard of the Nisak. Mirektani, Behemah, Enemuras, Lishalim. And then it also says that a normal Karen does not pay full, right? The normal Karen doesn't pay full and normal Shane does pay full. But if we're talking in the same zone, right, in the Chatzar and Izak, why is a Karen not paying full? The, 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 the later in the mission it says that the Chatzar and Izak Karen pays full. Okay? So it says, but it would pay half if it did it in Chatzar and Izak. Mani, who is that Rabbani? The army, the rabbis that say, when something is unusual and it's the type of a Karen in the Chatzar Nizak, it still only pays half. Okay? So, because presumably we're talking all in the same zone, in the Rishut HaNizak. Seifa, let's look at the end of the Mishnah. Shura Mu'ad Vashura Mazik Bershut HaNizak V'Adam. The things that it lists as Mu'ad Mitchila are a Shura Mu'ad, three times warned, and a Shura 
Nizak, Pashut Nizak, a Karen in the domain of the Nizak, and a person. So here it says a Karen in the domain of the Nizak pays full. So also the Rebbe Tarifan. So the end of the Mishnah goes like Rebbe Tarifan. That when it's a Karen in the Chatzar Nizak, it pays full. Reisha, Rabban of the Savior, Rebbe Tarifan, is the beginning, the rabbis, and the end, Rebbe Tarifan. So again, the, I would think the simplest thing to say is when the beginning says that a Karen is Tom, it means in the domain, well, you know, in the, in the, in the Rishos Rabbin. But again, we, the Gemara is insisting that we say that everything is talking in the same type of domain, because otherwise you can't be comparing them. So then it's not true. It's not, uh, it wouldn't be Tom according to Rebbe Tarifan. So it says, in, yes, the mission is broken up into Duaz, the um, which is so bizarre, because it says five Toms and five Muads, and we're going to have that the person who said, that the author of the one who says, you know, the Toms, is not going to be the author of the one who says the Muad. It's crazy, because the whole mission seems to be very, lit- you know, literarily constructed. Forget about the Mishnah. That's right. Just listen to me. Okay, which is obviously always a hard answer, but more, even the more so here, where it's clearly you know contrasting five times to five muads. So now we're going to give other answers. It's all Rebbe Tarfin. Okay, so Reisha, now how is it going to be that in the first case you're only going to pay half damages if it's Chatzar Hanizak, if you pay full by Shane? Reisha, Bechatzar Miyuchedes Leperos, Lechad Vilzelizel Ishvarim. Oh, you might remember this from yesterday. We had so much fun with this. Anyway, <laughs> the whole debate of Rashi tells us what the Girsi here is. I'll read it like Rashi, though. Okay, um, each owner has the right to bring their ox in. So if it does an act of Karen, it's a Rashid Harabim, because I have the right to have my ox there, you have the right to have your ox there. It's like a Rishosarabim. So it does an act of Karen, it's Rishosarabim pays half. But only you had the right to have your fruit there. I didn't. So from the perspective of the fruit, it's only your domain. And when my animal eats your fruit, it's going to pay full. So that's the way we'd be talking about one domain where it pays, it's Chatzar Hanizak for Shane, and it pays full because I, only you have the right for your fruit. But it's Rishosarabim for Karen, and you pay half because we both have the right for our oxen. Okay? Okay, just to point out again what I pointed out yesterday is that the funny thing about this is that we could have a case where I have a right to bring my ox there and, um, and I'm going to be high if, there, if it does a na- an eating which is natural to it. Okay, but that's at least Tosus reads the Gemara has a different gear to the Gemara but that's the way Rashi does it, reads it. Amar Avkana. So that's anyway one way of getting out of it. It's like, let's not get overly worried about which Rishos we're talking about. Let's find a Rishos in which they can all, we can all be talking about the same case. Okay, Amar Avkana. I'm recently the Shemite coming to I said over this discussion to Razid from Narda, How can you read it like that? Come up with some Rishus so that we're talking about it's a Chatzar Nizak for Shane and Rishus Rabin for Karen and it's all Rebbe Tarfin. We say that the Shane's liability is only when it eats things that are natural for it. That's when it has full liability. Royla in Shane, Royla low, only when it's natural. This is a really good question. He says, where is the Shane doing the eating? When is Shane Chayev when it eats where? In Meshuzanizak. Okay, now, let's say the Shane ate something unusual. It ate clothes. Okay? So the Mishnah is implying it wouldn't pay full. It's only pays full when it eats food. It eats clothes, it's about to say one minute. But if it's eating clothes and it's paying half, that turns it into a type of a Karen. The Rebbe Tarifin says that Karen and Rishos Hanizak pays full. 
So whether you call it a shame, and whether it's eating a natural thing, and it's a shame, or an unnatural thing, and it's a carrot, and if it's all in the Shilsanizah, you should be paying full. Okay? Um, very good. So the Gemara says, so can't be Rebbe Tarsan. Um, the whole thing is Rabbanan. So if the whole thing is Rabbanan, we have to deal with the line in the Mishnah that says, Shur HaMazik Bershut HaNizak. That line seems to be saying that Karen and Rashid Anizak pays full. But we're saying the whole thing is Rabbanan. Okay. So, you got to stick in some words. There are five times. So we're going to do a radical reread of the Mishnah. Five times and five muads. You know what the five muads are? Not the things we mentioned. Shane, Regal. The five muads are these five times if they did it three times. Then they're all muads. Okay? So that, I don't know what the Mishnah is. So then the rest of the Mishnah is just telling Yo, and by the way, here are some other muads. Okay? It's not really five muads. Yeah, whatever. It's one muad. Well, whatever. Okay, well, that's true too. Chamishetami, Chamishetan muadim. The shame now, so that's the five. So don't worry about the five. Now we're going to have more freedom to play with the end of the Mishnah. The shame regal muadim mitchilasan. Shame and regal are muad from the outset. And now, again, because the hard phrase we have to deal with is shur hamazik bershut hanizak. That doesn't work for the Rabbana. That seems like you pay full when it's a shane and when it's a Karen Bershut and Isaac. So here's how we're going to read it. The shane Virega Muadi Mitrila son, uh, where are me? Uh, um, the Heichan had a son, the Chatzar and Isaac. So when it says, okay, because it was Karen, it wouldn't be. Why am I always. Hanisha, Tamim, okay, Ligo, Lishoch, etc. Hanisha. Muadim. Okay, now we are saying what that means is the same thing, you know, plus Ha'ada, if it did it three times. Okay, we're reading not as a new thing before we had, and then it says, Shane, Royla, okay, Regel, Shur Hamuad, Shur Hamazik, Birshut, Hanizak, and Ha'adam. So we thought these were the five Muadim, right? And say, no, no, no. These are the five Muadim, the same thing. This is another part of a Mishnah. Okay? Shane and Regal are Muad. Where do they become a Muad? Shur HaMuad. When are Shane and Regal considered to be a Muad when they are being Mazik Bershut HaNizak? So all of this becomes a commentary on, oh, by the way, Shane and Regal are Muad when it's Bershut HaNizak. Okay, and Adam. So it's just saying Shane, Regal, and Adam. Wait, where does the Shur Muad get in there? The Shane and Regal are considered to be Muadim oh, okay. when they damage Bershut HaNizak. Pretty, pretty bad read of the Mishnah. Okay, anyway. Okay. Vehechan HaDasan Vechatsar HaNizak. Maskif Ravina, Ravina asked him this, Hakatani will come on. One minute. You can't say that's how you read the phrase Shur HaMazik Bershut HaNizak. A later Mishnah explains what that phrase means. A later Mishnah says, Hakatani will come on, Shur HaMazik and you know what it says? It says every Tarfin says that if it does Karen Bershut and Isaac, it's full damages, and the Rabbanon say it's half. So a later Mishnah explicitly says that this phrase is Karen Bershut and Isaac in a debate of Rebbe Tarfin and the Rabbanon. Okay, so we're back to our problem that it sounds like this is going like Rebbe Tarfon. And we pointed, showed that the Mishnah couldn't be Rebbe Tarfon. If this Shura Mazik is talking about Karen Bershut and Isaac, 
So that's why our later Mishnah explains what it's about. Shuramazik meant something completely different here. It did not mean Karen Bishurdan Izak. My Kaitsan, how could a later Mishnah be saying Kaitsan and describing it as Karen Bishurdan Izak? A later Mishnah makes it clear. A later Mishnah introduces Rabbi Tarfin and Rabbanan. Okay, so a later Mishnah says, and a later Mishnah says Kaitsan, and it says, Rabbi Tarfin says, full, and Rabbanan say half. Okay, this is Karen, Karen Birshut Hanizak. That's a later Mishnah. So the later Mishnah makes it clear that we're talking about that, and therefore, if we're counting it here as a muad, we're back to it being Rebbe Tarfon. But we pointed out that the Mishnah can't be Rebbe Tarfon. Okay? So, so let's try again like you said the five and the five are just the same five if they were if they were warned and now we're a second part of the Mishnah Shane and Regal are Muad okay so Shane and Regal are a type that's the case of a Shor HaMuad a Shor that starts its life as a Muad when it does Shane and Regal now, how do you do Shur Mazik? If that's saying that's Muad, it's Rebbe Tarfon. We said it can't be Rebbe Tarfon. So then it's saying, um, the Shur Mazik, Nizak, Karen in Rishud Nizak, that's Machokas Rebbe Tarfon Rabbanon. That's not a Muad. We're saying, okay, this is the, these are Muadim. We're saying, here, one way of Muad is that you made worn three times. Another way of Muad is Shane and Regel. That's a type of a Muad. Shura Mazik Bershura Nizak is a debate if that's a Muad. So when, I know. That's what later Mishnah is going to say. But saying now we're just dealing with things. Some are Muad, some are debates of Muad. An Adam is a Muad, and Dov Ari Bardir Normalist, whatever. Bardirist and Namir is also a Muad. So just, we're just well, the way we're getting out of this being Rebbe Tarfon is ra- reading it as rather than making an absolute statement that this is a Muad, we're saying this is a relevant category, which is actually a matter of of debate. I understand that. And that's the only one that's a debate as opposed to all the other I understand that. Okay? Um, okay. Vivyesh Muadim Achem Kiyotzi Beilu and by the way there's other Muadim number one Adam which we didn't mention Rashi brings it in and Azei Varizav Bordas Namalev Nachash Tanya Namihachi So anyway we have no good read of the Mishnah this seems to be the one that Gemara is most happy with and then we have a Brighter that seems to support it. Chamisha Tamim Heim Vim Muadu Chamisha Muadim there are five Tams and if they were you did warn they all became Muad Shane Regal Mardi Mitrilasan and Shane and Regal start their lives as being a Muad Zeushar Muad and that's the case of a of the way in which an ox is Muad from the beginning. Vishur Mazik Vishur Anizak about the case about a a, a Karen in Vishur Anizak that's Machlokas Rebbe Tarfin Rabbanan that's a debate of Rebbe Tarfin and the Rabbanan. The Yeshvon Machem Kiyosi Beelu there are other Muadim Hazevarayi Vanam Hadav Hadav Vanam Rav Bordos Hanachash. Okay, so anyway a writer that exactly says what we just said before and that reads this Mishnah. In a for a word, because it's in the bright that you mean, yeah. even though it's exactly what I said before, right? But I do have to say a point that scholars have pointed out, which is sometimes you get a case like this where the ba- where, where there are brightas that are only found in the Bavli, ha- have no parallel in the Yushami and any other Tanaitic literature, and they actually and and those and, and what happens is an Amora says a statement, and then you have a Tanya Namihaki, which is word for word the same statement of the Amora, and the, this is the only evidence that such a brighta exists. So presumably, we're not suggesting that they fabricated it, but presumably, you know, if you pay, as I pointed this out before, if you pay close attention, the language the Amorayim speak is not is not Aramaic. 
meaning the Gemara speaks Aramaic. The Amorayim, when they give their Memras, speak in Hebrew, the same language as the Brightas. So it is possible that sometimes Brightas were actually statements of Amorayim that became, you know, that became understood to become Brightas. You know what? They, do? they were just remembered as these teachings, anonymous, and they were believed to be Brightas. But it's very, sorry, you know, interesting. No, the Gemara thinks it means we have a supporting Brighta. But scholars say, oh, isn't this interesting? You have a supporting Brighta that says word for word what you just said, which is this very dochuk explanation. And um, you didn't quote the Brighta to begin with to prove it's what the Mishra meant. It only came up at the end after a whole discussion. And this Brighta has no parallels anywhere else, right? So, again, if you sort of, so if you're being cynical, you say, well, they made it up. But if you're being less cynical, what you say is, is that this may be the same teaching was remembered without the Amorah's name and got to be remembered as a Brighta. You know, even if maybe it started as an Amoraic statement. All right, anyway, the Gemara says like this. It's really proving yourself by yourself. Exactly. Um, that happens a lot, you know. You, uh, you, 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 know, you, you, you take an assumption, you read it into the text, and then you prove what you're saying based on what the text just said. Okay. <laughs> yes. What? Bright is Tanaitic. But the question that's being raised is, is this genuinely a Tanaitic source or a believed to be Tanaitic source? Some show a contradiction. It's only five? How about the end of the Mishnah? So they use the Mishnah itself to try to create this pressure to say the Mishnah can't just be read the simple way you read it. No, no, the five is just the five paralleling the first five. And then we move on to a second stage in the Mishnah talking about other Muads. Okay, Vashain Rego Muadimit Lasan, Vzeshura Muad, Vashura Mazik Bashura Nizak, the case of Ken Bashura Nizak, that's a Muad discussion. Machlokas will be told from Rabbanan, Vyesh Muadimachim Kiyotse Beelu, Hazevari Dova Namrava Bordos Fanachash. Okay, fine. Good, we got through that. Now, moving on. What are the back to the Tom stage? What are an animal Tom for? Not to crouch and intentionally, like, break things with a awareness that it's breaking it. Okay, below rear votes. I'm Rebbe Lazar. So a lot of us know Pachin Ketanim from this famous Midrash by Yaakov, but anyway, here you have it in a halachi context. When is it not its way to destroy, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, 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 like uh, pots or whatever, you know, uh, vessels by sitting on it, pottery, right? Pots, yeah, makes you think about metal. Anyway, by when it's like a big one, like, like it doesn't crouch on a big, like, type of a vase or something. But a tiny little one, you know, you know, you ever go to the museum and you see these, like, tiny little things that are used for like having like you know perfume or other right so a tiny little thing I mean you know maybe it's just sitting down and it broke it okay um, or stepped on I mean if stepped on it would be certainly let's try to bring a proof to this we have a bright behema breaks things in its natural way of walking to break things it can crush a person that's a behema or another animal that's a kalim and vessels so you see there are ways in which it is more to break vessels for me, that they're really so, assumed to crush people? Uh, well, we're going to see. Okay, so we'll get to that. So anyway, all right, I understand. I understand. Well, right. Okay, anyway, um, well, no, Rego would be Bashir and Isaac. Okay, but anyway, um, the point is that we got vessels, okay? So and before we said vessels, it's not. So I would have said the difference is it's stepping on it or crouching on it, but let's see what the Gemara says. So, so but the Gemara presumes, so no, the answer is a big vessel versus a small one. A, bi- a small one is darko, a big one is not darko. 
Zumar gives a different answer. No, crushing means when it catches like a person between a wall and it's walking up against the wall, right? It's, that's how it could be crushing. Right, exactly. That's what could be crushing a person. So also, if like, I don't know what the case would be. I don't know. You got some vessels on a protrusion and it's, you know, it's walking against it and the, the side of its body is, brump, is bumping against it. That would be Kedarko. Whereas to crouch on it would be Shalok Kedarko. Again, I don't know why the Gemara doesn't make a difference to step on it versus to crouch on it. But either way, the difference is not big or small. It's whether it's its normal way of walking or it's an act of, cru- of, of crouching. Okay? So the Gemara says, Some others say, Don't just say big vessels is not the normal way. And small ones would be normal. Even small ones would not be its normal now uh, to, again, to crouch on it, uh, presumably. Okay? Right, says it is natural for it to crush vessels. That doesn't mean small vessels. That means just when it's doing it with the side of its body. Okay? It's just different ways of doing the same thing. Some start this by showing a contradiction. Tanan, the low lear votes, is that it's not muat to crouch. It does say it is natural for it to break things as it's walking. Big or small. Now, Rashi, at one of these stages, says if you're making the difference between big or small, so if the case of that crushing vessels is only small vessels, what do you talk about Adam and Behema? So Rashi would say, well, it'll have to be a little baby, or it'll have to be a little baby Behema or something. But I, I personally don't understand why it's, o- it's going to crushing with its like, body, Minatsad. To me, the natural difference would be if there's a small vessel on the ground, uh, maybe the presumption is that animal will see a small vessel and not step on it. But to me, isn't there, why, why isn't the difference between walk, stepping on something as opposed to crouching on something? The classic regular is stepping on something. Again, I don't know animals. Maybe the animal will be smart enough to avoid stepping on something. I probably will be, you know. What your body crushes, you're not afraid it's going to throw you off balance. What you step on, you know, like animals are very sure-footed. I told you that story about that when I was horseback riding and we saw these like uh, buggy, you know, these people on these like, you know, you know, also like, like in the same area on these very, you know, big buggies, like these like very like macho things or whatever. So I was saying to the person, to one of the people who I was horseback riding, ooh, would that be cool? I'd love to go on one of those. And she said, no, I would never, I would never want to ride in a buggy instead of, you know, over a horse. I said, what? Why not? She says, well, a buggy can go over a, cor- a cliff. A horse will never go over a cliff. <laughs> so, it's like, okay. <laughs> so anyway, so animals maybe don't step on things. Uh, but, you know, they'll step on fruit because they'll just smush the fruit. But they won't step on something hard. You know, they're smart. Maybe they're smart enough not to step on it. But anyway, I wonder why the Gemara doesn't give the example of stepping on something. I'm stepping on it. Oh. Were those buggies thrown by horses? Or those no, 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 no. I meant like those motorized. <laughs> yeah, anyway. You know, those like those macho things that go over the sand dunes. Right, anyway, okay. Okay, Hazavari. So the Gemara says, my borderless, what is this borderless? Which is like, I'm a Rav Yudah Nafriza. Oh, that helps. My Nafriza. And what's that? I'm a Rav Yosef Appa, which presumably is like a hyena or something. Nesve. Rabbi Meir Omer. Afat Savua. Even at Savua. Rabbi is a muad. Rabbi Leizer Omer Afa Nachash. Even a snake. Then Rav Yosef Tzavua Zuapa. And Rav Yosef says that a Tzavua is an Appa. So how could Rav Yosef say a Tzavua is an Appa if he, that, that, that's what Rabbi Meir meant, which is a hyena, if it's already in the Mishnah as a borderless. So then why would Rabbi Meir have to add the hyena if the Mishnah is talking about the hyena? Yeah, so a polecat or a weasel? Polecat or weasel? Okay. I, 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 I trust, uh, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Sancino. I would think okay. a, a cheetah. A cheetah, right. 
Right. So that's more like what Santino was saying, a cheetah or a hyena. Okay. So although a cheetah is a cat and a hyena is a type of a dog, right? But uh, <laughs> anyway, I sort of think them as more similar. Anyway, so it sounds like this. Okay. Lokash, a kambatsavu azok, a kambatsavu in a keva. All right, fine. The Mishnah, well, there's a Rashi has two versions of which is which, but the Mishnah is talking about a male and the bright, and Rebbe Meir is adding the female or vice versa, but they're both the same. I mean, they're both, you know, whatever, the same type of animal. The Tanya, now, now, just so you should be aware that there's a significant difference, because you don't have to say male and female of every species, be aware there's a significant difference by this tzavua between male and female, because we teach in Ebrita, tzavua zachar, a male tzavua, male hyena, let's say, after seven years it turns into a bat. And then bat, after seven years, turns into an arpad, which presumably is another type of a bat, at least according to what I looked up. And after seven years, nasa kimosh, that becomes a type of a thorn bush. After seven years, nasa cholach, that also becomes like a, di- a different type of a thorn bush. So presumably, at least the way the Maharsha says it, is these, these are like on the bottom of their chain, like a hyena is a despised animal. You ever watch Lion King? Was that the hyenas or the jag, whatever? It was the hyenas? Okay, anyway, bats are seen to be as, I don't know why bats are, because I know they're spooky and they're dark and it's at night or whatever. What? They live in dark places. They live in dark places. You know, thorn, a thorn bush is obviously a lowly type of a tree. So anyway, but you can also understand how this leads to ideas of like Gilgul and reincarnation. I mean, the Gemara is claiming that it actually happens, you know, to the thing itself, like it's part of its life cycle. But, you know, it sort of converts to like lo- other lowly forms of animals or of going from animals to birds to trees. Okay, I don't know what to make of it. Okay, and then Now this thorn bush after seven years, Nasa shade, that becomes a demon. Shidra Shaladam, which also plays on the word shade, a man's spine, after he dies after seven years, Nasa Nachas turns into a snake. Okay, you can sort of see the visual, right? That's only if you never bow during Modim, because then, uh, you know, because then that's a person that never shows gratitude to God, and therefore, you know, so that's a, 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 what? Exactly. Tosos brings in the Gemara Brachos that you should bend down like a snake and you know get up like a snake or whatever so there's all that imagery and obviously it evokes of course the original snake in Gan Eden um, okay and you're you know and your subjugation to, to, to God and to God and so on so there's a lot there Tzavua um, even the Tzavua is included in the list so let's see if we get to the Mishnah here Rabbi Eliezer Omer Afanachash even the snake Vanan Tanan Rabbi Eliezer Omer Bizman Shem Benei Tarbus Enen Muadim Vanachash Murdolam an army of Rebbe Eliezer says domesticated animals even lions are can, can be a tam but a nachash is always a muad and in the bright uh, he, may, he says afanachash sounds like uh, one minute af michlau the Rebbe Eliezer havu inach oh sounds like he's sort of conceding that the other things are muad and he's adding nachash whereas in the Mishnah he's disagreeing and he's saying those other things are not muad if, at least if they're if they're uh, domesticated Tani nachash so fine take out the word afa nachash just say nachash okay that a nachash is a muad if it's domesticated because it's never domesticated but the other things are not Amar I don't know I want to move on Amar let's move on Ari Bershida Rabim now we're going to get to this question of what is Darko or not a lion in the major thoroughfare someone's lion you're taking your lion for a walk in the street okay if it basically 
tramples and eats, what Zazi basically saying means it eats the prey while it's still alive. It doesn't kill it first and eat it, it eats it while it's alive. And that's a normal way of eating. That's a shame. And therefore it's Rishas Arabim. So you're put on shame and Rishas Arabim. You have a right to be in Rishas Arabim. Uh, yeah, presumably. Ta- I know, it's bizarre. Taraf Achachayev. However, if it kills the animal first and then eats it, that's not a normal way for it to do. Okay, so that would be Karen. And therefore, you would be Chayev and Rishud Arabim. Would you be Chayev half? Would you be Chayev full? Right, that gets back. If it's Karen, maybe it's a Muad Mitchilato. But even if it's a Muad Mitchilato, if it's doing a natural act of eating, it's Shane and it's Patron Rishud Arabim. If it's doing something which is an act of violence, which is not a natural way of it to eat, then it's going to be Karen and Chayev and Rishud Maybe Karen Muad, but Karen. Okay, and therefore it claims, I don't know if anybody's watched these nature videos, I didn't research it, but it claims that lions don't eat their prey while it's still alive, not after it's dead. I don't know, is that true? Every time I see it, it always seems like they kill their prey and then they eat it. What? Yeah, they, they die pretty fast. Well, the, the prey. Yeah. yeah, so by the time he gets around to eating it, the prey is dead. And this is claiming that to eat it after the prey is dead is not the natural thing. Right. I don't know what to say. Oh, I don't know. That's not, well, let's take a look. It doesn't it's seem to be the continuation. Thing. I know, but let's see the continuation. It doesn't seem to be doing that, saying that, because as you'll see. Okay. So the says like this. That's its natural way. So fine. Lions eat uh, sheep and other animals eat fruit. Exactly. Now, Taraf, now again, I'm reading Rashi. Rashi says the difference between Daras and Taraf is Daras is the animal still alive and Taraf is instead. It could mean something else. Like, it could mean a different way of attacking and killing the animal. But this is the way Rashi understands it. It's like stepping on fruit if you're another animal. Yeah, but then it wouldn't call it Shane. It would, you know, it's called a Rego. I know, but I, I would want to say that there's a different difference between alive and dead, but that's the way Rashi would be. Taraf, but to Taraf and to kill the animal before eating it, that's not normal. You're saying that this type of attacking of Trefa is not is not normal? And a, a lion sort of, you know, slashes or whatever for its well, uh, for its young. What's called whelps? Is that a young lion? Uh, whelps. Okay. So the Mar says, no. I'm going to read this like Rashi. No, what it means is, if it has to bring food back to its young baby lions, it'll kill the prey and bring it back. But if it's eating it at the spot for itself, it's going to eat it while it's still alive. Okay, one minute. The puzzle continues. And it strangles an animal for its, also for its young lions. Or no, Levasav is its female lions, right? Okay, okay. Lioness. Okay, Bishvil Levasav, fine. That means if it's bringing back to home, it's going to kill it and bring it back. But to eat on the spot, it'll eat what's alive. Doesn't the female do the hunting? And the male? Yeah, okay, anyway, whatever. Okay, <laughs> now going on to the Pasuk. The Malay Teref Chorav, and it will fill its, its uh, hole, like its, uh, its uh, you know, its uh, cave, with uh, whatever, where, you know, its dwelling place, with, uh, with, uh, with its, uh, with its, uh, uh, with its uh, what's it called? Teref. With Teref, right, with, uh, I'm just looking for the word. Prey? Anyway, with, with the prey, with whatever it attacked. So it seems like it kills the stuff, and it brings it back and stores it at home. Oh, Bishvil Chorav, yes, that's to put it in storage it kills it okay but again to eat it on the spot would eat it while it's still alive 
and in its dwelling place again these like carcasses Bishvilonas are fine if you want to store it up and put it in the pantry you kill it first <laughs> anyway but on the spot it'll eat it while it's still alive and if it doesn't eat it while it's still alive it's caring and pays full but don't we teach in a bright if an animal presumably including a lion went into the Chatzar Nizak and slashed an animal and ate it and ate the meat so it's already Basar it's dead Mishalim Nezek Shalim pays full so it sounds like that is Orche and presumably we're talking even about a lion okay that was a case where it didn't eat, it didn't eat it right away it's like we said before it killed it because it was going to eat it later so the Mar says you can't say it ate it later it says it killed it and it ate it on the spot it changed its mind. <laughs> First it killed it and was going to store it. Then it decided to eat it on the spot. The Achwa. And then it ate it. So Moshe says, one minute. Now you be done. How do you know that it did it to store it and then it changed its mind? Let's say in the case of Shmuel, where it kills it and eats it on the spot. And you said it wouldn't eat it after that. Maybe it planned to store it and then changed its mind. So the Gemara says, Amar of Nagma Yitzchak Lutzadim Ktani. Fine, you got to read that bright, uh, cut it in half. When is it Chayev? If it either killed it, slashed it for storage, and then it didn't eat it, brought it back home, oh, or it darts of Achla, it ate it while it was still alive. So again, we're insisting that it's only going to be Shane when it's still alive. If it kills it and eats it on the spot, it's a Karen. When did Shmuel say that these types of attacks were not natural, this trefa attack to kill it and to kill it, that's only a domesticated lion. A non-domesticated lion, any type of attacking and killing and eating is all Shane. Which, by the way, means it's all going to be exempt in Rishos Harabim, which reminds us what Michael said is completely bizarre that I don't say that I have absolutely no right to bring my lion in Rishos Harabim. No, no, no. If it does a shane in Rishos Harabim, you're going to be exempt. Okay, that's fine. When did we say that these things are Karen and unusual? If it's a domesticated lion. Okay. would normally say that you can get things that are domesticated, certain, certain behaviors will then be not natural if you domesticate it. Okay, and that's why, you know, a normal lion, everything is considered orche, but if you domesticated it, these acts are not orche. Okay, but if you domesticated it and that now it's not orche, so even to just kill it alive and eat it alive is, uh, is, is lav orche. Make up your mind, it's either all orche, it's all not orche. Fine, what Ravina says it wasn't explaining. Shmuel was explaining the Mishnah. When did the bright. What Masnisa? One minute? Okay. So which Misnisa is explaining it? Oh, just the very fact that it says that you pay Nezek Shalem. Oh, the Breita, the Breita that we said of Chayesh Shenichnas Aluchatzar Hanizak. So this Breita that said of Chayesh Shenichnas Aluchatzar Hanizak that pays Nezek Shalem. Okay, what did he say? He said, "Kitani Masnisa." When did it say that when it attacks in Chatzar Hanizak it pays Nezek Shalem? The Ari Tarbus for Alibed Rabbi Eliezer the Amar Lav Orche. 
Now that seems to be making an easy Brita difficult. The Brita said you pay Nezek Shalim because it was Darko. He says, no, the Brita that you pay Nezek Shalim when this lion attacks and eats is talking about it was a domesticated lion and you're still paying full. So the says, why, according to Rabbi Gliazer, if it's domesticated, are you paying full? You're just making it complicated. According to Rabbi Gliazer, that you can domesticate it, so now you should be paying half. Okay, it was worn three times. So now you get that you can do, okay, domesticate it and now go back to being undomesticated. Iyachi says, So then why is it doing the type of a shame? If it went through this process of being domesticated and undomesticated, Gabi told it to Karen by Elimisne. It should have been an example of Karen. So the Gemara says, Kasha. Now, by the way, that's fascinating. I would personally say, if I domesticated my lion and then it lost its, dom- and then it reversed the domestication, it would go back to being shamed just because it went through the process of paying half by being domesticated and now paying full by three times how much is that permanently resituated in the category of Karen it's like this discussion we started with when something is la vorche how much is that completely resituated as Karen but certainly this case even though it was temporarily Karen I would say once it gets back to being where it was to begin with it now should go back to being shamed anyway it's enforced read of the bright the bright just simply is not talking about domesticated it's just a normal case of shame so the Gemara does not end conclusively about how to deal with Shmuel, and I should point out that the Rambam completely ignores Shmuel. Okay, so when the Rambam poskins that an Ari is Muad, and this goes back to what we said before, also about whether we're talking about Shane or Karen, the Rambam does not distinguish Rishas Arabim and Rishas Anizak. The Rambam just says that a lion is Muad to do all types of damages, doesn't distinguish between Taraf and Zaraf and so on. So basically, going back to the Pshad of the Mishnah, that this is just a sort of a Muad Karen in all circumstances. Okay, one does wonder like, again, why when it's just eating won't it be Shane? But that gets back to Michael's question. Since when do I have a right to have my lion in Rishos Arabim? So maybe I never get to call anything Shane or Rego by this. I never have a right to be bringing it into certain zones. So, yeah, so it's an interesting inconclusive end whether there's types of Shanes here or whether these are all Karen Muad. What do you want to say though? Rishos Arabim, 